Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? Happy holidays to everybody. This is uh, the second of four what I'm calling our ROMcasts, uh, meaning I recorded this during the Ramdas retreat in Maui very, very recently. Uh, this is with Raghu Marcus and Duncan Trussell, uh, two of my favorite people. Duncan brought a lot of uh, humor and insight to this. I was so happy to sit down with Raghu, who is a devotee of Maharaji, who if you listen to the Krishna Das episode, I, I hope we're caught up on who that is, and, and Ram Das and this whole kind of very interesting movement bringing the East to the West that happened in the, uh, in the 70s and continues to this day. Very, very, very interesting stuff. There is no sponsor for this ad. Um, we're not being paid to mention this. I will plug Love Everyone, which is the book of stories about Maharaji. Uh, Raghu is a big part of that book. We talk about the book in, in this episode. So I uh, personally endorse that. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. And uh, while I'm at it, as I mention all the time, Experiments in Truth. Experiments in Truth is the real crash course in all of this stuff. So if this resonates with you at all, it's an audiobook on iTunes by Ram Dass called Experiments in Truth. It's just a series of lectures, and it absolutely changed my life. Uh, so if you like this sort of stuff, uh, check that out and check out Love Everyone. And if you don't like this stuff, we'll be back uh, with more comedians next week. In the meantime, enjoy the second of four Romcasts with Raghu and the wonderful Duncan Trussell. They're both wonderful. The wonderful Raghu and the wonderful Duncan Trussell. There you go. Get into it. We're rolling. No, it's fine. I think it's fine. You talk again, Raghu. One, two. Hello. Check, check, check. It's fine. I'm okay. loud anyway. All right. Right? We're rolling, gang. Well, let's talk about mic technique. <laughs> Hare Krishna. <laughs> when we say Hare Krishna, like, we'll text that to each other. What do we really? What do we say? It's just, I like it because it means, hey, we both know what that means. It's fun to say. Yeah, but you so, say it like hello and goodbye. I do. It's a great way to sign off. We used to think it was a, it was much better than what happened in New York City when you walk by people. You anything, mean the singing? Anything. Some of them say Ram Ram, Sita Ram, Hare Krishna, Rade the sing- Rade. The singing people. The, no, anybody on the street. You just say that to them. They walk by strangers instead of like you walk by a stranger in the south, right? Yeah. You Sure. And they all wave. Everybody waves, right? In the South. It's nice. Sure. So in India, Ram Ram, Hare Krishna. Really? Yeah. Well, let me see, it's let's, nice. Let's talk about India. That's where we're going to start. All right. Duncan Trestle and Raghu are here. I don't normally do that, but there's two of you, and I want you to feel welcome. Thank I'm, you. I'm big fans of both of you. You mm. are welcome, and I want you to have a good and happy time. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. I find that valuable. I do other people's podcasts and I sit down and there's no like, hello, how are you? And it makes me feel lonely. Really? Sometimes. Well, I'm a needy person. We'll get to that. India. I'm afraid of going to India because everybody talks about how kind of magical it is. Certainly it was seemingly, you went there in 1970. Yeah. Okay, so now it's 2015. I'm afraid of going and people talk about, Josh Radner did the podcast and he's like, he's like you got to go. Everyone's drunk on God. And I'm like, That's I'm a- so afraid of going and just being like, these are the same idiots we have here. They are. <laughs> you know what? You- How did you know that? You, you know- now you don't have to go. Now I don't Forget have to go. It. But yeah. I, I'm with 300 of them on a bus. You Why do you have I mean? to go? You don't have to go. 
But I'd like to go, but I'm afraid. It's the same reason I'm afraid of meeting. I don't have to go, but I'd like to go to a culture that is raised differently, different worldview and all that sort of stuff and, and is more spiritually inclined. Valium over the counter. Ex- well, there you go. <laughs> Duncan Dressel, that's exactly what, what you should Am say. Am I wrong? No, you're right. I was in the pharmacy before I left India and got a few different things that you just can't get without a script. Ketamine. Is that true? This is what you're saying. Ketamine, I don't... Anyhow, let's not go there. You're going to derail the spiritual intentions yeah, of this podcast. you are absolute... He's right. How dare you? you? I've seen Darjeeling Limited. I know you can get painkillers and weird stuff and put some ghee in your eye. I understand that. Well, no, but I think that that's part of the spirituality of the place is the wildness of it. It's You're looking at this incredible mishmash of of world travelers. You find that you, know, the, you, you run into a very specific type of person who they've been traveling for years. They just travel the world. They don't have any net. They're, <laughs> am I wrong? Citizens of the world. Some. You run yep. into these citizens of the world. They're wild. They're people who have no address, yep. and they just travel. They figured out a way to do it. They just travel and travel and travel, and they're magical people. And that is all mixed in in a culture. A lot of them come there. A lot of them come there. On their way to Berlin. Monkeys running on the roofs. Uh, 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 so much. You've been? I've been. I didn't you know didn't you know that? Yeah. I didn't know you had been. But here, here I want to All address right, but, my fear. Yeah. Here's the thing is, is we put our faith in a place or, uh, or a person – there's a there's a danger of it being ruined. You know what I mean? Like if I if I thought you Ragu were amazing, and then I found out you you beat your wife or something, it would break my heart. Similarly, if I went to India, I told the story to KD. I went and saw him play, and I sat next to these Indian people, and I was like, "Here we go. These guys aren't messing around. It's going to be great." And they were on their phone the whole time, and it, 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 that bothered me. Forget India, right? It's Racism. No, it's not. <laughs> what, I'm being racist? Yeah, that's a form of racism. You know, that when you create a spiritual hierarchy based on a person's geographical... Well, we're like, at a Kirtan show. Let me tell you, man. <laughs> I, I don't just mean you being racist. I mean, I think that when you are telling me how some of these temples won't let... They won't let white people in. That's racism. Many, many. That is pure... I just read about how Gan- Gandhi was a little bit racist towards South Africans and stuff. See, that's Broke my heart. That's fascinating to me, Raghu, is that here is a place. Here's a, a sacred temple, beautiful, pure, and they're like, sorry, no crackers allowed. Can we get down to the real point where they know better there than they are here right. or anywhere else? Right. There's that, people who are conscious and there's people who are not. There you go. Yeah. And there's people who are I'm caught like, in convention and there's people who are not. Yeah. But and, do you think India is ruined? I'm so interested. You went at this really interesting time, but it reminds me of when I moved to Chicago to study improv. Del Close, you know who Del Close is? Yes. Del Close was this improv guru. Mm. He just passed away, mm. and so I missed him. And sometimes I feel like I missed out on India. I, I did miss out on the physical body of Mar- Maharaji. You know what I mean? So sometimes I get that same mm. sort of feeling where I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm at the party and New Year's is over. Yeah. Well, this is a big discussion. We've been having this discussion since the day I met Duncan. Is that right? right? Yeah, same discussion. And the funny thing is, although he doesn't want to let too many people in on the the secret, is there has been, and I've watched it, you know, he's evolved over the years to uh, get the inkling of the fact that you do not, these these beings do not need a body, and it has been proved by tens of thousands of people who've come into contact with him. But the meaning they continue we I'm try I always try to keep the listeners in mind. Yeah. I think I know what you mean. But you're talking about these people who either knew him or didn't know him. 
he continues to be some sort of guide well, to both, them but, without but the most especially the people who never met the physical body and have a connection with him that is the same as the people who did see the body. So there doesn't seem to be a big need for that consciousness, whatever we want to call it, to uh, have a body or not have a body in order to connect a person. Without the body, though, yeah. how is that manifesting? Is it a dream? Is it a vision? Is it a feeling? All of that and uh, sitting with uh, you know, 400 people or whatever it is. In, in a place for five days where the whole focus is on love, wisdom, bliss, peace, whatever. All of the qualities that make up what we call that thing. So many different names, nirvana, God, whatever. But why label it Maharaji? What, what makes people so confident, especially if they didn't meet him, that you're like, this guy's my guru? It seems like I'm like... Captain Crunch is my cereal. Well, you know what I mean? Like, the, what are the chances that the most popular guy picked you? Okay, there's, that's. <laughs> I one would feel like a narcissist if I was like, you know, who my guru is? Probably some weird guy. No one knows. Well, that's the thing with all of this. I mean, he, we we talk, we talk, Duncan and I about who the hell is going to believe this bullshit? All of these miracles that two places at once, all of it, you know, raising yeah. the dead, all that stuff. That's not. You know, nobody's going to believe that. And it's just like, so, you know, what we believe is you were somehow seduced by someone within the movement, the religion, he called it. And, I called it. Yeah, you did. And, uh, and, and that seduction Offensive. led to completely living in illusion. You're completely nuts. And you can't prove that you're not. Yeah. And I said, well, that's true. But you can't prove the other way as well. So you can't somebody's. Prove that you are. Yeah, so if you're really cynical about any of this happening, so then you what? You think, like we talked yesterday, if you have enough openness to go, okay, well, I don't believe it, but I don't believe it's not either. So maybe I'll take a look and just kind of hang out with it a little bit to see if there's anything there, because these people seem to be a little bit more balanced and happy or something, mm-hmm. I've noticed. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, though, when you start, you, you get into that place of duality, like he did it or he didn't do it. You know what I mean? With, with someone like Jesus, I got really, and I said this to Katie and uh, uh, David as well, it was this idea where I was like, I got comfortable being like, did he do it or didn't he do it? It doesn't matter. It was like, is Christ's resurrection a metaphor or did he rise from the dead? Right. You say yes. You know what I mean? Right. You give some sort of mystical answer because you're like, you're missing the point. It's like, he did, and then what? It was a metaphor, and then what? Like, what, what's going to happen in your life? Are you going to yeah. live with more love, compassion, and truth, yeah. or are you going to... And that's the bottom line. If you're not doing that, none of this matters. But then here's you, <laughs> and, here, and KD's talking about how he believes Maharashi to be the reincarnation of Christ. He, he was like, I don't know if I should say this, but he said that. Of course, well, that's very interesting to me. Uh, well, okay, I, I have... A, I, I mean, let's back up on that yeah. one. I am sure he's talking about the energy, Christ and Hanuman are one. So that thing that is pure service and love in the Indian pantheon, Hanuman, the monkey god, is completely a parallel to that energy Christ, service to man. It's all the same. But the difference, so there's not, there's not a, that's too literal. I can't talk to anybody that was at the wedding feast where Jesus turned water into wine, but I can talk to you who yeah. was there and said you were with a being that radiated compassion and gave you a feeling like you were in front of a space heater but it was for bliss. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even that's too kind of direct. There's a lot of different moments going on. You yeah. know? And we're all complex people. Well, let's we, were, let's... we were getting reflection off of this pure mirror that wasn't so pretty for us, you know, because it really shows you who you're not. 
So that was going on too, and a lot of depressive stuff. Christian us, yeah, heavy. So you know, we would end up in the river. Uh, there's a river right by the temple, and big rocks, and be sitting on the rocks like completely depressed. Oh my God, we are such pieces of shit. How could we be here? Because the, he was reflecting difficult thing. It was ref- it was just a pure mirror, and you were seri- seeing all of your dark shit right in front of you. It's like you know, and at the same time, you know that he knew everything because, I mean, he's talking about this bullshit about miracles or not miracles. Okay, <laughs> there was complete prescience. We knew that because he talked about things, not just say that happened in your past. In my case, what was going to happen to me within you know sixteen hours. And, and not just a bullshit thing. I was going to get these teachings from a, one of the highest Tibetan lamas. I read that, that in, the, in the book. Yeah, you read that he, story. He, the he book is Love Everyone, by Love the way. Love Everyone, yeah. We'll, we'll plug, plug it every time we can. It's called Love Everyone. It's wonderful. You should get it. But I, I read all the stories about you as a crash course before you came in, mm. and that was a great one. It seemed like my, my – well, I, I do want to start at the beginning to give people context, but we'll start yeah. at the middle right. first. You, uh, <laughs> he was a precocious – Scamp, Maharaji, he had a playfulness to him. Oh, he's totally playful. And that he was totally. messing with you. He was like, hey, are you married? And you're like, yeah. no. He's, he knew you weren't married. Yeah. You're, you're saying he knew everything. And then he yeah. goes, did you study with a Tibetan? And you're like, no. Yeah. And yeah. then within 16 hours, you're studying with a Tibetan. Yeah. And then later he marries you. Yeah. So it's kind of like this guy who, if, you know, to include the doubt of some of the listeners and, and even to play with our own, uh, knows everything. He's he's He's... Seen through the subtle unity of the universe, and it's all a joke to him. Not a joke, but a beautiful play. It's just play. It's just play. You know what I mean by joke. On one level, on another level, that kind of a thing is just part of that which is beyond rationale. Hmm. It's it's that place. If you've taken acid, you you get to a, a place that... Is some approximation of what we're talking about. So, well, that's when you're talking about a mirror. I haven't taken as I've taken mushrooms, but like or mushrooms. That, that mushrooms, sounds familiar. On. You're having a heavier trip that's making you or ayahuasca. I haven't taken it, but people yeah. talk about the work that it presents, and mm-hmm. it's something that it's like, oh, I just realized I am petty or unkind or or withholding. Well, this is like being sitting. I mean, beyond, when you actually die on acid, and you're sitting, and you get beyond that, and you're just there's no time and space. You are completely just present, hooked up with everything that is. You can see the interconnectivity of every molecule. Mm. That you got that from him. You got a that you sit trip. Well, not <laughs> I'm dramatizing it because on acid, that's what it's like, right? Oh yeah. Okay, so. I'm dramatizing it, but yeah. basically it was oh, sitting yep. in that kind of moment without the drama. Okay, there was mm. not bliss, and we were all you know none of that. It was totally being here and present, and not thinking about myself, not thinking about tomorrow, the before nothing, and just and just you know. I mean, there were if you want to use some drama, there was all when he would be quiet, there would be these waves that would roll. You could actually feel these waves of energy. Mm. And everybody, you knew everybody was feeling it. Well, you spoke about that today. You you lifted your head and looked around and noticed that everyone, yeah, Ramesh, Ramesh, oh, yeah. Excuse me. yeah, yeah, had the same sort of expression on their face. Yes, yeah, exactly. So you knew that. And then the other, you know, people's story about, I mean, love everyone, which is the whole deal. What it, where it comes from, is people having that kind of experience, and then as they be, become aware. The next thing is looking around at people they've never 
they were strangers to them, basically, and f- having that same feeling towards them. That's what the whole thing is about. That's what that's what we're here about. Right. Period. That's what Ramdas talks about falling in love. He always tells the story of falling in love with a cashier. You know, right. and then f- walking out street, falling like I'll never see that cashier again. But then he falls in love with the next person. He sees. Yeah. That's the condition of having an open heart and seeing people. As yeah, but it's more subtle than that too. I mean, you know, it's not. That sounds like Ramdas is yeah. dramatically <laughs> yeah, loving people. Which, yeah, you know, he can do. No, it's just this is just what you do on both of you on your podcast is probably the best way I can say it. It's just uh, generosity of heart, and people feel that. They feel, and you know, what did you say at the very beginning? You know, I want, I'd like to do on my podcast where I kind of you let know. you know that you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. When that. I went to Africa, they say you're welcome, not when someone says thank you. They say it when you like come into their presence. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I right. think that's a really great right. thing. That's really hey, that's you're welcome. Cool. Yeah. You're welcome. Super yeah. cool. It takes yeah. a minute to get used to because you're like, what did I do? Yeah. You just approach but Wait. see how simple none yeah. of the miracles none of that stuff yeah isn't i mean listen to be honest when i saw ramdas i trusted him right away what else? i mean i guess some people are i mean i'm i'm gullible then i don't see myself as that though i've been a pretty pragmatic person in my life i trusted him though when did you meet uh old rami d must have been before 1970, so... A uh, year before. 1969. Yeah, The something. funniest year. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you met Ram Dass in 69, and uh, where was that? I was running a radio station in Montreal. I was a program director and had a show, and it was a big rock and roll station. And somebody said, hey, we, would you mind advertising the fact that Ram Dass is going to be giving a, a lecture at McGill University, which is the big university of Montreal, and the next thing I know... What are you talking about? Listening to it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm I'm listening to it within a half an hour. Yeah. But before that happened, I didn't know who Ramdas was. Oh, I see. Excuse me. Yeah. And I said, uh, and then he said Leary, you know, Tim Leary. Mm-hmm. Shit, yeah, I love Tim Leary. And then that's Richard Alper. Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh, okay. Anyhow, the real thing is I heard Why this. Why were you fans? I, I'm, forgive me, I, I wasn't there, obviously. And yeah. I know a little bit about the 60s, but here you are. Already aware. There's no internet. How are you finding out about Tim Leary and Richard Alpert? It was all over the no. newspapers. These yeah. guys had just gotten thrown out of, of Harvard. Harvard. Uh-huh. There were these badass apostate psychologists who were recommending everyone should get blasted this on LSD. This is why my mom knows who Tim Leary is, because I asked her, and right. she was like, yeah, I know. Oh, my God, man. Tune they, in. Drop these out. guys like, were det- they detonated a, a, a psychedelic nuclear bomb in the consciousness of the United States because it wasn't coming from some drooling hippie. This was coming from (laughs) aristocratic Harvard professors who are using, yes, handsome Harvard professors who are using the language of Western psychology to describe the effects of this ego-melting substance that they thought was going to usher in yeah. a new era, a new renaissance. I forgot about the press coverage, because I, I of course I knew that. Everywhere. but it, you, So you read about it in the news, presumably. Yeah, it was all in the news, and, and then it was in radio as well, because you know, Tim was doing shit. In, and then know, had you d- taken LSD before this broke, or was that why? During that same time, when they were doing their thing, when it became very public, and they, they had been out of Harvard already, and Millbrook was happening, and the whole thing was blowing up, mm. the mid 60s into the late 60s yeah that was like okay tim 
he's like, we love Tim Ginsburg, you know, people like that. Yeah. We were hanging out with, you know, California, what? the dead in the airplane, all that stuff. You right? were. Uh, I was living in Haight-Ashbury. No way. They, they were just walking around. It was like, <laughs> this wasn't a big deal, okay? Janis Joplin, all of now them. Now I get excited that uh, someone follows me on Twitter. I was you're, one you're of those drooling hippies. Uh, drooling. I I'm a drooling, drooling hippie now. Yeah. yeah I like drooling. Yeah. It usually means you're super relaxed. You feel good. <laughs> <laughs> when you're drooling, you almost are always feeling good. Right? Yeah. But I, uh, I smoked uh, salvia. You've done salvia? Yeah, it's terrible. I, I liked that. it okay. It was the like first it. kind of hallucinogen I ever did, and I came out of the weird kind of space that I was in. I haven't done a lot of drugs. I don't know. I, I don't say that puritanically. I'm just giving you some information. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm smoking it, and then I, I came out. I snapped out of it because I realized I was drooling on my chest. <laughs> so I was like, that's <laughs> that what brought me that. back. I was yeah. like, oh, this is embarrassing. That's like Thorazine for acid heads, yeah. What's Thorazine? That's a type of acid? No, Thorazine is what you people put, they put, get a bummer, and then next thing you know, please give me some Thorazine. That's your safety parachute. <laughs> yeah, they used LSD. to bring little kits around with them. They had little safety parachutes where if you were really freaking out, you always had that sweet Thorazine that you could boot into your body and apparently come down an antipsychotic. I've never done it, but it oh, must really? be it must be really comforting to know that's nearby if you start. Very- I took I took mushrooms <laughs> once and I had a, a a pill box of Xanax because I was like if you're oh, having right. a bad trip yeah. you should take some Xanax or whatever. It's actually Harris Whittles, our dear friend who passed, uh, was like always take Xanax when you take mushrooms. Oh. So I had I know it's sad to bring that up and no well that's sad and also Xanax is the is Satan's hell poison <laughs> on this planet. That's an evil drug, man. Avoid really? benzos. Avoid benzos at all costs. They're terrible. Tell me why. This is like an ad. Though. It's a ad. Good yeah. ad. Buy love, everyone. Don't yeah. take benzos. <laughs> yeah. I think we can wrap it up. <laughs> we got it. Amazon. No problem. They're, it's an, it's a, it's, they're, in, they're more addictive than heroin. I take half of one a year. I don't have any problem with it. Well, yeah, but if you take them too much, you can get oh. super addicted because they have something, they have a very long plasma half-life is what it's called. They hang out in your system too much oh. and they kill a lot of folks man they kill a lot of people really like heath ledger had xanax in his system a lot of these people who this is something i thought like, it was because you did stupid shit when you were at we're of course here we're going in a good direction then i i didn't I, mean to get completely into completely listen i'm sorry oh, yeah, sure One i'm not thing, gonna forget the thing dr <laughs> drew said to me which is really intense is he said all of my clients are being killed by my peers because doctors just freely prescribe this yeah, shit. Right. And people think yeah. as a doctor prescribed it, it's somehow yeah. safe. The next thing you know, you're just completely hooked on this awful stuff. Yeah. Avoid benzos. That's, we're, I'm so sorry to make no, this please. so mundane. That's you, not mundane. We're, we're That's getting exciting. To, you're getting to the core beginning of Raghu's yeah, yeah. contact with Neem Karoli. Oh, is that where we were at? We yeah. were about – I was actually mid-anecdote about mushrooms. But the, the, yeah. the story is very brief. I'm on mushrooms. I realize it's going sideways. I'll, I took it with a girl and a friend. A friend uh, – and I didn't – I was trying to impress the girl. A terrible – is that set or setting? I forget. But I'm with a girl that I'm actually trying to impress. Oh, Terrible. No. Then we take mushrooms. It's going bad for all of us. So I'm like, I'm going to take some Xanax. And I poured the pills out. And I realized there was like an ambient in there. Oh, there, all the, no. there was like a mixture. Yeah. I poured them in my hand, which was the size of Arizona. And the pills looked like little Volkswagens. They were gigantic. It was like... The most discombobulated I've ever been, trying to figure out which one was Xanax. It was ter- it was it was really terrifying. I say it with pleasure now, but it was a scary moment at the time. Oh yeah, that's how it happens, man. And people take it, and then they forget they've taken it. 
and then they take another because they're hammered. That's how it gets you. That's how oh, it kills people yeah. is they get drunk. They take one. They forget they've taken it. They take another. Well, because it makes you fearless. People take it before bank robberies. Anyway, <laughs> it's true. Do they really? Yeah. Yeah, B and E breaking. And I'm not saying it doesn't have a use from time to time. Just <laughs> in case you want to rob a bank, I'll explain to you what happened to me with that Xanax. I, I'm, I'm going to talk about it on a podcast. But I went on tour and was taking them regularly, mm. unaware of how supremely addictive they are. <laughs> and then I stopped taking them, oh, and shit. I went through like two days of actual benzo withdrawals with headaches and like it was disgusting. It was oh. vile, Pete. I just wasn't aware that after only a, a couple of weeks of taking. Them, that could happen and it totally happened and i've seen that happen i didn't know i just didn't realize yeah. that you had that and then I, I that freaked me out because it's like my god the pharmaceutical companies are, are, are putting fish hooks in people's brains yeah. where it's not just like you can just stop you stop no it's a, it's a it's a crazy thing i wish there was a pill that safely could make you feel like you had two glasses of wine no that's what i'm looking for <laughs> it's called two glasses of wine yeah i know but then you get all wine wine you're yeah. right anyway uh so we, we yeah. were about to get to – we're not quite at Neem Groly Baba because I talk about it like everybody knows, but everybody doesn't know. And so you're at Haight-Ashbury. You're hanging out with all, the, all these cool, groovy people, and you take LSE for the first time. No, well, I was in Montreal. Oh, you were in Montreal. When I'm from LSE Montreal, yes. But, and then later we get to there, and that's where you meet Ronda. Yeah. What? No, no. I met him after that whole scene. Okay. But you took I acid. Back it to clearly had an impact. What I'm trying yeah. to get a sense of is where were you at in your understanding of the universe and spirituality? Like, what was your perspective? As soon as I took acid, I understood the interconnectivity of everything. Okay. <laughs> See, I I'm did. glad I asked. That was a yeah. badass I moment. understood. <laughs> not, I mean, most of it was from my brain, but enough of it was from that little place inside that, okay, I got it. There is another reality. I, actually, I got that through music mm. uh, even before that. Uh, in fact, John Coltrane. Really? I went to see him live one day, and he played My Favorite Things, and I went out. So really? I knew that there was another place. Yeah. You, like, stepped out of this reality listening yep. to Coltrane. You yep. are, what is, what is happening? Who you did you, you should listen to no, My no, Favorite Things. I, I, no, I've heard it. That's an amazing yeah. song. He's an amazing artist, obviously. I was saying, who is this? This is the coolest person ever. It was, I a, know. It was a strange compliment. Oh. <laughs> I, I complimented you by going, who is this? Who oh. is this? <laughs> That's what Ramdas said the other day. I said, I really wish I knew. Knew us. Ramdas said... He was trying to get me to tell the audience my name because I introduced everybody else. Yeah. And he said, and who are you? And, uh, yeah, and I was who there. are you? And you go, good and question. And then, good question, yeah. good question. That's the Ramana Maharshi who uh, became enlightened. We talked about him the other day. We talked about this with KD, the idea it, that it was... What, so just who am I? Yeah. Who am I? And he wouldn't leave till he found out. And he found out. And it's a, like people will get in contact with me and they always want to know what is a good way to meditate and I think that's a very clean answer is to just quiet yourself and ask yourself who am I it's one thing yeah uh, to be What's honest with you um, we all we all did Vipassana meditation when we were in India everyone that's how we met Sharon Salzberg who's at this retreat Jack Cornfield, who you guys have mm-hmm. met and all that that's how we met them well, what is, what is that meditation? So that meditation is, is following the natural breath, either in and out of the nostrils as it hits the nostrils, and you keep conscious of the breath going in and the breath going out. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you realize you're thinking, you just go back. Thinking, go back. Thinking, go back. That is the best, in my mind, 
the easiest way of beginning any kind of meditation. To this day, I use that meditation. I was I mean, using it uh, this morning. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, she was. Yeah, I didn't know what it was. The story of Siddhartha was told to me that that's what he was doing. Yeah. I breathe in, I breathe right. out. Right. And I was like, it's Just so follow great yeah. because you don't have to think about mantras or anything. Well, sometimes that's the it. mantras start to feel. I start to associate them with things. With like, stuff. Yeah. We start to project so much stuff. Like. Well, this is a whole other story, but I was looking at the photo of Maharaji yesterday, and it was making me happy. And today, I was looking at it, and I was like, it was making me feel that feeling of left outedness that uh, that right. we were talking about at the beginning. Right. Same photo, different right. Pete. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. I'm just like well, completely so. Yeah, I but did. that can't happen with I breathe in, I breathe out. I never get jealous that I'm breathing in. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. <laughs> so it makes it, and you know, that's why we listen. These retreats, right? Have they all not had a real component of Buddhist wisdom sure. by somebody? Because that's part of what we are and what what he represents mm. as well. I and mean, some of the people that they have, the guests that they have, and I don't know if Salzburg's POV on it, but. Joan Halifax. Remember when they did? We did the podcast at Ramdas's house, and he said, "He he like he said this is my fantasy talking about all this stuff." Remember, he said, "This is my fantasy," and Joan Halifax is like, "Finally, you admit it after all these years, a fantasy." Because she's a you know hardcore Buddhist yeah. who is Zen. existing a Zen Buddhist, and there's no God. There's no afterlife there's no astral plane there's just nothingness that is uh temporarily having the delusion of selfness and and that's what we really are so it's this really cool i really res- okay let me counter oh, wait, she said you had a fantasy yeah uh, let me count what was the punchline of that i'm so sorry oh, but-, <laughs> but the punchline was you admit it you had a fantasy no the punchline is she was saying ramdas was saying this is my fantasy he's referring to oh i see and she's but saying I didn't last get it, which means admit- other people didn't get it no a- it didn't get it no, <laughs> no it. it's a buddhist the, the, the buddhist perspective is that it's all a fantasy on well, some versions of buddhism not all uh, of it but yeah, some versions of I'm gonna. I can't wait for your rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> What's the rebuttal? It's true. Some. This is why Trumpa and Ramdas. Trump. Trump. Yeah. Trump, and Trump. <laughs> They're having Trump at the spring retreat. Uh, <laughs> they always have a Republican. Let's meditate. <laughs> no, this is this is why Chogim Trumpa and Ramdas had this very interesting uh, yeah. interaction because uh, Ramdas and, and and many of the disciples of Neem Karoli Baba have a very personified view of things Hanuman the, this disembodied preternatural telepathic clairvoyant translocating healing being uh, they they truly have connected with that version of the universe whereas in Zen Buddhism okay wait now you're mixing stuff up there's <laughs> Trumpa Rinpoche Tibetan Buddhist there's Roshi Joan Halifax yes. Zen now for Trumpa and Ramdas. When you talk about that, Trungpa, the, the Tibetans have Chen raising. They have tons of sure. deities, and they have guru worship. You but know, not so, Halifax. Not Halifax. No, she's she's the bottom line on stuff. Nothing. Yeah. But let me tell you something. Please. This this really will bring it all together because she did say to me on the podcast that we, actually Duncan and I did. She said, "You know, this is great bhakti yoga is great." Duality, though, you know, it's just your subject, object, you're yeah. trying to merge with whatever it is. Eventually, you know, you you, you got to let that go, which is true. Yeah. And, and I said, kind of that, yeah. yeah, so I said, okay, well, 
you're a billion lifetimes ahead of me or something, but I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm jumping into the Zen thing, Roshi. She laughed at me. But do, uh, sorry, were you done? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, what, but so I don't forget this. I just wanted to say the other thing she said was about Maharaji. Because I said, well, what do you think of him? You know, because obviously you've been around this forever with Ramdas, Guru, the whole nine yards. And she said, whenever I look into his eyes in a picture, he is completely empty. And she got him at the highest level, that there is no self at all in there. And that's the miracle that this human being had managed through ageless time, obviously, to be able to lose the self. I mean, it was... I mean, who who he really is, we have no re- idea. We couldn't know, right. except there was nothing like that there. So there was nothing. You just didn't get any bounce back of anything. Mm. Zero. It was like a computer just doing the right thing. That was very loving, affectionate, playful. Blah blah blah. <laughs> That's really what it, what it is. And, and, and she got it. Empty. Empty right. of self. Right. But the thing that was uh, – you were talking about the duality. You are talking about you, – you would like to merge with – I'm using that Maharaj. method. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She's saying there's no merging to be done. Everything no, she's done. saying go ahead and you know, lifetimes have fun. Eventually, you'll have to give that up. In other words, there will be a uh, – there's a great story actually with Ramakrishna, right? You like Ramakrishna? Sure. Yeah. So uh, he he loved the the goddess, right? That was his thing, and he kept merging in and out and going into samadhi and trances and the whole thing, right? And then he heard about non-dual. Okay, there's a there's a non-dual path, right? This it was a woman actually who came and he said, yeah, okay, so show me. So she showed him, and he went beyond subject object. He completely went into. Full empty space, but no self. Mm. Uh, not you're not. There's not any enough self to even worship anything, right? And he said, "No, no, I don't want this. I want to be in relation of of uh, merging with mother." And that's, I ba- that's bhakti. That's and that's bhakti. You want to shoot a basketball into the hoop and connect, and these guys want you to be the air inside the ball. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a great way of putting kind of. it. And it, but in, 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 in to the point where. Depending on what branch of bhakti you're uh, hearing it from, they some like the Hare Krishnas. They will tell you that Buddhism is spiritual suicide because you're the the, the concept is what's better than loving somebody? It's the best. Lo- just being in love with your girlfriend, loving your dog, it's amazing. How much more would that feeling be theoretically if you managed to make a connection with? An the energy, so- an energy that is beyond duality. It would be the incredible, and it would, to to be able to interact. It's like you know, one of the best feelings is when you like somebody, and you think, man, I, they don't like, they don't really like me. I don't think this girl likes me. And then all of a sudden, you start realizing, wait, I think she. Oh, I think this is a mutual thing that's happening here. Mm-hmm. I think this person is actually feeling the same feelings I'm feeling, and it's magical. It's magical. You start thinking about them all day long. You start fantasizing. You hear songs, and when you hear the songs, you think about the person. So bhakti 
is the identical thing except with God. So you suddenly you start allowing yourself the insane fantasy that it is possible that the source from which all things originated, the personified source of all things known as the Godhead, you start allowing yourself the fantasy that this thing actually loves you mm. and not loves you in some ambiguous way that you might love a leaf falling off a tree somewhere in in Alaska but loves you in the sense of <laughs> loves you in the sense of I love you Pete Holmes right. this entire universe I've created as a love letter for you and that's a pretty intense state to get into and bhakti is the concept of cultivating that relationship yeah and so that's why bhaktis will say yeah okay sure you can merge into everything great but why would you ever want to do that why would you ever want a second away from this incredible romance that's happening with that force from which all things originate and then there's the buddhist concept the bodhisattva right i will not leave taking birth until all suffering is gone. I will keep coming back to do whatever I can to help relieve suffering. Mm. And that, that's the other I kind of like that, you know. A yeah, lot. that's kind of sweet. Well, let's unpack the word God, too. I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, too. Um, just in the idea, when you say God, I think I know what you mean. But I think most people go to lifeguard God. Uh, which is the God watching. <laughs> lifeguard God. I'll take a God that's a lifeguard. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, not the, not the way I mean it. I, I grew up with lifeguard God, and lifeguard God is just mad that you said motherfucker. Lifeguard blows minutes. the whistle when you get an erection at yeah. the wrong time. <laughs> yeah. No, internet porn out of the pool. That's what it is. That's exactly it. So I think a that's lot of... hot. When, when we can... You know, a big thing for me is trying to show or, or, or even help myself understand that there's... Another way of understanding this idea of God. When you say the source, that pleases me. I know this is just semantics. But when you say God, people start to get a little bit... People might literally turn the podcast off. Really? Not that that's a concern. That's hilarious. This might not be for them. But I'm trying to include those people that might get... You know, we have post-traumatic stress. too. I don't like the word God. Yeah, there you go. It's convenient. So what I do mean, you think, when God? when Indian... Oh, I don't mean to marshal your use of it. I know what you mean. Oh, no, I know. Okay. I'm just, no, I'm just throwing it out there. I know people, look, trust <laughs> he me. He said religion yesterday. And, and you got like, upset. Yeah. My yeah. interest is the people like me, of course, <laughs> people like me, of course, who grew up with uh, Jesus or God or whatever it was, and like me, lost their faith. And a big passion of mine is, is how do we find the truth in that mess? And, and how do we reconnect to something that's bigger than dogma or bigger than some sort of list of, uh, like I said, semantics. So, Do you like Ted Nugent? I don't know Ted Nugent. <laughs> you know Ted Nugent? Of course I he, what is it? He, he plays these guitar solos. He's awful. I know who he is. <laughs> he plays the guitar Now, I have a theory. I don't know for sure that something happened to me when I was a kid. But I have a theory that if anything weird did happen to me when I was a kid, is it Ted like Nugent somebody touching my butt? Yeah. Ted Nugent was playing. Do people go for the butt? What? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> you don't remember. My point is, though, because when I hear guitar solos, I get really creeped out. And I just, now, are, are guitar solos evil? Are they bad? Yeah. Is it a horrible thing? No way. But because theoretically, maybe something happened during like a Ted Nugent guitar solo to me when I was a kid, now I can't necessarily listen to those. So the same thing is the word God. God, yeah, sure. So the word God gets spoken in a high stress. Like what were you telling me about adrenaline? You remember what 
what's yeah. happening when you've got the adrenal glands we were pumping. talking about your memory and your adrenal glands are linked. So if you have a traumatic experience, you remember it better. So if you're studying for something, you can dip your hand in ice water every once in a while and you'll remember it better because it's traumatic. That's it. So you get these families of fundamentalists and what you've got there is a stew of adrenaline and anxiety just yes. bubbling 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 of anxiety and formality you do the wrong thing if you do the wrong thing daddy gets mad when daddy gets mad everything sucks and that makes the adren- adrenal gland pump and all this time you're hearing about god 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 but really it's not the word god that sucks what sucks is it's coming out in the presence of yeah. absolute psychological like Ted abuse and torture. Fine. it's yes. just what happened right. to Ted you Nugent while is the god. was going at exactly that's what I was trying to get at. That's uh, ultimately that's the final message of Neem yeah. Karoli Baba. But uh, <laughs> wow! <laughs> but, and you're killing me today. Okay. What it? What is? Uh, what is God? Uh, okay. I know that's a big question. But when what we is, when we say it, and when we're trying to connect to it, who cares? I mean, I never think about that. You no thinking about that is impossible. But, you uh, are, but it's that concept. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I mean, but even that's a good answer. It's an it's an impossible thing. It's a transcendent thing. It's a transrational thing. It's a outside of your mind. But you know what? I okay, I, I go back to what I I was referring to, just sitting around this this human being before, yes. right? Not him. There was another one named Ananda Maima, who was a great uh, being from that same time. Yeah. I, it's a couple of Tibetans I sat with, one in particular, the 16th Karmapa, who I had darshan of in Los Angeles. Way better than the 15th Karmapa. <laughs> no, 17th is good. Oh, was he a good one? He I, is a good one. That, He's oh, from okay. the 16th. Yeah. I have, D- I it's so weird that, that, that they have remakes of humans. <laughs> they get mad about reboots. You know what? Ghostbusters the, and stuff. They're rebooting people in India. <laughs> the 17th Karmapa, first of all, the 16th Karmapa was like Maharaji. As soon as I got about 10 feet in <laughs> front, near him. Saying, no, yeah, you're, you're in trouble. Uh, but as soon as I got near him, I thought, "Oh my God!" Same, the same feeling I had mm. with Neem Karoli Baba, I had with the 16th Karmapa, mm. just getting in his presence. Okay, so what is that? Is what it is, and that sounds call. like, and it's uh, the biggest thing with it is I is completely being in the present. You're wiped out from time and space. You're not, there's no future past, you know, there's no self-thought. I mean, those are real things. Uh, you, you have a, an elevated feeling, which you, some people might like to compare to a psychedelic drug, mm. where, you know, there is a elevated, blissful, peaceful, all combined in one, and you're just, there's nothing. There's nothing. Mike, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> you could just sit there. I'm gesticulating, yeah. and there's nothing you want or need, and you feel completely at one with whatever is around you. Mm. That to me is what we're talking about. Ted Nugent is. is <laughs> <laughs> Can I? Here's here's a question. Well, wait. Let me oh, tell you one please. other thing. Hit it. So I've had that experience with. It's the same thing with beings that seem to be completely evolved, right? The same feeling uh, with several of them. And only recently, two months ago, and I never thought this would happen to me again, but it did. I met somebody who also was living in that field and spent a few days with that being, and it was the same thing. I have 
not a matter of comparing to Maharaji, who I knew absolutely one billion percent. I knew about it when I looked in Ramdas's eyes. Hmm. I had complete trust at that point, and that trust was founded when I finally met him. But that same thing happened. That same the same qualities of of at one mint. Thank you, you Raghu. I didn't know you thought of me in that way. Huh? I don't understand. I was making the joke that he's talking about me, <laughs> and it really bombed. No, DT, you're in a safe place. <laughs> that that bombed. I bombed at a meditation retreat. You don't know. Like, there, there's so many no one, people listening. You guys there's didn't get at it. At least twenty. Everyone in the room. <laughs> they just like that you Thank said you. something loud. Some of them are infants listening, <laughs> and they just like your voice. <laughs> but here comes that. Yes. After I did the podcast with Katie and uh, David, I actually felt depressed. This depresses me. Like I know we started with you talking about. How it doesn't matter. The body doesn't matter. But you got on an aeroplane in the seven, in 1970 to fly to this thing. And I'm charged, if I'm to have this experience of, of these people or these saints, with, with, with what? Some sort okay. of advanced meditation? Go to, <laughs> go to Krishnadas's kirtan tonight. Yep, I will. Okay, you are going to go. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to go? Duncan? Trussell? I'll go. In okay. fact, a point of interest for this retreat, if it were just... Everyone's here, and we get to talk over lunch, and Krishna Das plays at night. I would have come. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, just go and sit there and let that wash through. Because uh, I do know that the, the deepest transformation happens with the, the mantras that he does. Okay, but even that is effort. I'd rather fly to India and sit in No, there's no man. effort. This is sitting in a chair. No, India, there's a lot of effort. Oh, my God. But, no, just sitting in that room. And you know, you're grabbing feet and having ecstasy and, and knowing what billion percent the interconnectedness of the universe. And I'm trying to go, did he say Nam Rama or was it Ram Dama? Right. <laughs> it seems easier. Uh I, you know, you're getting me. I can't totally deny that <laughs> touching that thing is not meaningful. Right. I cannot deny that. Uh, so but, it does um, kind of stink that Del Close died before I got to Chicago. And it kind no, of stinks that uh, Neem Crowley Baba... Uh, you got to let... He's your... living proof over here, okay? From the... Yeah, he, he... Four years ago? Is it four years ago? Oh, God, yeah. It's about four years ago. He, what we happened? we met up. Is story? <laughs> <laughs> He's a changed man now. He oh, really I have is. been changed by it. And I think that... Tell me what that means. <laughs> well, you know, man, the thing about it is, it really... It's... It's hard to say, say this without sounding like a jerk. And I don't mean it the way Please it sounds. Like it doesn't matter what you want. And it doesn't matter. That, it's like this. You want this thing to be a certain way. Like these guys, it came to them in a certain way. Like the, the water went into the ice cube tray for them in the shape of a Neem Karoli Baba ice cube. That's how the water went in. It's like the they got to come into contact <laughs> with it and, and, and it happened. Yeah. And so that's what happened to them. Uh, and that's really cool. But you know how if you're around a kid, you can tell what their parents are like pretty easily. Not just maybe the genetic connection, but mm-hmm. a child will take on the characteristics of their parents for better or for worse. That just happens. Mm-hmm. It's natural. And so when you're around, a, you can know the father by the son. And this is something that Jesus talked about. And it's a really smart thing. So what ends up happening with 
I try to take it to like the understandable, right? So I know what a super famous comedians are like. I've seen like, you know, we've all met super, we've met people who are at the apex of Western success. We've met people and you'll see certain things about not just the people, but the way the universe conforms around a person like that. Mm -hmm. And the way the universe conforms around a person like that is quite often the people at the center, the celebrity will have an entourage is what it's called. And the entourage weirdly will mirror the celebrity. There'll be these, the celebrity has imprinted whatever their powerful personality is on the people around them. And it's really a curious kind of weirdly creepy thing to see that happen is like people's identities actually get melted just by someone who is having some temporary western success generally based on talent though based on some kind of incredible extreme sure. which i think is a form of city really it's a it really is it like i think there's Definitely. something to be Definitely. said for it's a it's so city means power power yeah, yeah. so yes. so i think what happens from time to time is that human beings on planet earth something happens i don't know what it is something happens where and we've theorized about this and i theorize about it way more than you do because it's fun to think about alistair crowley talks about it in all other species of animals as far as we're aware there's no super monkey there's no monkey that transforms the way all monkeys act there's not a monkey no monkey jesus no monkey jesus right but in humans, it does happen that these be- that versions of humans will appear. I and the banana are one. Yeah, sorry, still riffing on monkey Jesus. <laughs> well, it's, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because you'll get a human that appears from time to time and embodies some something. kind something, and then the people around that person are known as the disciples. Really, they're just people who got really close to this sort of nuclear love explosion emanating out of a person, and that energy goes into them and then that energy travels through time uh via something called the disciplic succession which is the transmission of the energy Jesus. that's God, what it's he's called writing it down it's Dis- that crazy disciplic succession it's called disciplic succession and so it's the concept is this energy goes i'm writing down goes a joke through time t- <laughs> <laughs> it's like a power it's like a it's like a power line Ragu is just a transmitter of an energy that came from a being that he came into contact with. And if you hang out with a group of people who've been moved by that energy long enough, then that energy, whether you like it or not, gets into you. And the way it gets into you, and then I'll stop this right now, I'm sorry, is not going to meet your expectations. Because if it did, it'd be goddamn disappointing. It's better than anything you could imagine. And that's what's super cool about it. Because who wants a saint or the way you come into contact with the divine to be the way you expected it? How boring. How absolutely (laughs) awful. How terrible. This is what Duncan does for me. You know, that's... (laughs) It's true. All right, well, let me ask you something. That was incredible. I didn't mean to wrap it up. I, the joke I wrote down was, but I don't want Turtle, I want Vinny. <laughs> it's an Entourage joke. Oh, okay. uh, watch seven I, seasons I of Entourage. Oh, yeah, yeah, that see, joke. Yeah. <laughs> Please I go I have watched a little. Okay. Um, no, I just, I, I have a question for you. Mm. In your life, you have had a positive, some ineffable is the word I would use, experience. If it's not a drug, because you didn't sure. take acid, whatever. It's a moment. Mm-hmm. It's a moment with a girlfriend. It's a moment. It's a moment of love where you're not thinking about yourself. You're mm-hmm. thinking about the other person. So it's got. Uh, it has altruism in it. Mm-hmm. There's. Uh. You. You weren't thinking about yourself. You're not. No. 
past. You're not thinking of yesterday. You're not worried about what's going to go on in the future. You're completely in the present moment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there's love there and compassion, your kindness, that kind of stuff. Right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So that's that's Ted Nugent. <laughs> I love that you're saying Ted Nugent instead of God. <laughs> I do, too. Yeah, no, it's... It just tells you, you're right. It doesn't matter what word you use. I mean, you know. That's so cool. You know, Buddha mind. You want that word? I like that word. Buddha mind is great. Yeah. Buddha mind. I I love everything you're saying. And it does help me. You still. uh, Yeah. No, it was great. But you do catch. I mean, that guy. I, I just watched a rough cut of a movie that I donated to. And the whole movie was about the guy going to India. You probably know this man. He wasn't a devotee of Maharaji, but he went to India hoping to have some sort of vision, and he does. So people are still... Wait a minute. American Yogi? American Yogi. Nice job. And you took all that acid. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't remember it for the life of me. Yeah, American Yogi. Have you seen it? Yeah. So there's people still craving... You guys understand my sure problem but the problem no but wait okay so we went we covered okay you've had the experience so right the experience you, you want to call it magnified you want to call it deeper it gets deeper it, it does all of these things but right. it's the same thing you it's have that stuff. right yeah trust you would seem to me a person that would have trust <laughs> really so when you look in krishna's eyes or mine i you know can see we had the same bullshit that you had, right? So you just, how can this possibly be? We weren't any different from you. And then we bumped into it, and it made, it made absolutely, definitively, one billion percent clear that we were not our minds, we were not our emotions, and we were not our senses, and that there, that place is real, and it's in us. And he installed it by virtue of just being in that pool that was available, and... That's and then he did certain things, no, prescience, you know, all the miracle of prescience was what he did to everybody. So he, you absolutely, you, it's stuff that you didn't even know was in you, mm. thoughts you didn't even think you had until you, he said them, oh, right, fuck. Yeah. yeah. That kind of, simplest kind of stuff, all the way to what you ate for breakfast, <laughs> all the way to, to what happened to me tomorrow, you're going to, Ramdas mother's spleen, all of that stuff. He, you could not move one foot forward then thinking that you were that person before you came in that moment. You were completely changed because your mind was shattered, mm. period. Along with the love and, and you know, compassion and all of that. So when, when I say that to you, there's a, when I said it to you, there's a, that's what you're saying. There's a place in you that is resonating with that, knowing... You have trust. Sure. I saw Ramdas. He said that I completely, utterly trusted him in the first moment, mm. and so it's trust, and 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 trusting also in your own experience that you've that, had. Isn't that grace as well? Isn't that kind of? I think Krishna Das talked yeah. about putting your hands out and waiting yeah. for the rain to kind of yeah. Fall so, in. but but just having an intention, you realize there's more to all this bullshit that, that your senses are telling you and your mind and ego are telling you. You realize that, so your, your intention is to be open to what the possibility, what the mystery is, and, and then accepting the mystery and not fighting it and not just saying, I'm cynical, this is all bullshit. And, but trusting something's coming. Yeah, just trusting that thing that you have already experienced in yourself. Yeah, 
Right. And then that grows, and then something, here you are sitting in the middle of this retreat, which two years ago you wouldn't have thought twice about. You didn't have any idea. And remember when I saw you in New York, I was like, I'm going to be rapping on this pilot. I don't yeah. know if I get to go, right. but I got to go. Yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah there's that certainly karma grace, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. Here is uh, my question. Let's talk a little bit, about, because we're talking about being touched. Uh, and and finding uh, uh, whatever it is, whether it be, as you were saying, Duncan, the source I'm not expecting or the source that you got. But what you were saying to me, Duncan, today about the road to Damascus and Saul of Tarsus, yes. would, you, would you mind talking about that? Because I'm interested in the idea of the thing that activates you and, and what are your thoughts on well, that? Well, the, the, the idea is so, you know, the story of Saul, Paul, and the New Testament, Saul of Tarsus. That's true. So, like, the, I mean, so Jesus doesn't come back. They've got to figure out a way how to, they have to figure out how to run the Christian church because he's, he, he said, I'll be back in your lifetimes. There's no Jesus coming. This back. is after the Gospels. So, so there's we have a the problem. Gospels and then it's like, right. how does this So, there's, you know, a, 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 the New Testament, a big part of it is called the epistles, which are letters to the early Christian church written by Paul. So Paul's name was Saul. Saul was persecuting Christians, which was a basically a sport back then. And he would, you know, th- apparently he was like stoning Christians, a real nasty asshole, and he's walking an asshole, a nasthole. He's walking to, to he's walking to Damascus. I don't even know where that is or why he's going there or what what's going down. But he's on the road to Damascus, according to the myth. Sees a vision of Jesus. Jesus says to him, "Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me?" This is obviously the most incredible moment in this human's life. He breaks down. He's temporarily. He said he was in the clouds. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember if it was in the clouds, but it was a vision of Christ. I liked when you said in the clouds. Let's say in the clouds. Let's say it's <laughs> the cheesiest, the cheesiest velvet painting version of it. Yeah. Some floating Caucasian. Jesus is kitschy, man. At, he knows. Yeah, six pack Jesus floating yeah. in the clouds. He gives the people what they want. To, <laughs> saying to Saul, "Why? Why do you persecute?" And he makes him blind. You know, he goes blind, and all this has like deeper meanings. Some, there's all these symbols and temporarily blind. So Dostoevsky writes about this in the Brothers Karamazov. Oh, but then he devotes his life to Christ. Right. He well, he starts the early Christian church. He's he becomes still, the big guy. Right. Why we never have even met, never even met Maybe Jesus. Never even met Jesus. Never met him. Had a vision of him. Was not one of the original disciples. So <clears throat> Dostoevsky, being a Christian existentialist, writes about this, and he says, "Okay, Paul comes into contact with Jesus, the vision of Jesus, the vision of Christ." Is Jesus like a magical being that touched Saul with some kind of energy that caused Saul's atomic essence to shift? Did he shoot him with a laser beam? Did he shoot him with like a miracle beam, right? Did he throw throw like magic at him and it made him a better person? Dostoevsky said no. None of that happened. Because if that were the case, case, there's no free will. You just have to get lucky enough to run into a thing that causes some kind of quantum mechanical shift in your spiritual essence in your soul and you're fine and that's it there's no free will he says saul needed an excuse to be a better person and he made the decision to use this vision as the thing that was going to transform him and make him better he needed the tipping point yes and so to me that's all that matters it doesn't matter the to me at, at all at all it doesn't matter to me at all the reason the reason it all that matters is and this is why I have the trust that you talk about with you guys. I don't know 
you know, you guys were all on acid. You're in India. You've got jet lag. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen, I've seen, I've good. seen Claire. I've seen, you know, I've seen. Uh, uh, when I did this show with Rogan, you know, we were around like activist skeptic magicians who could do the most amazing stuff, crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Like you know, you close your eyes, they could tell you the serial code on a bill in your pocket, and they did all this stuff as an example of how easy it is to trick human beings into thinking all that did stuff. You see so, honest liar. What? There's a documentary about the, that. So I've yeah I've seen these miracles happen with people who are saying there this is not a miracle i'm just really good at magic so all of that stuff to me completely irrelevant all i know is these retreats i'm always around the sweetest most beautiful amazing people ever i have the greatest conversations i've ever had with them and the end result is uh, i feel a little more open a little more. And when I say a little, a little. Hmm. It's a progression for me. But I feel a little more open than I did before. And I feel a little bit more confident in using the Ted Nugent word and in talking about <laughs> uh, these things in a less embarrassed way. And that's all that matters to me. Because if you want to talk about a real miracle, consider this. Some guy with no money, no bank account, no name outside of Neem Crowley Baba, which is the name of a train station that he apparently hung out at. Someone named Maharaji in a blanket in the Kinchi Valley in India. Which is just a nickname as well. Cre- transmitted so much energy via these people that it actually created a, 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 what you could call a mild spiritual revolution in the West through this book called Be Here Now. Now, that's not bringing birds back to life or making apples appear out of nowhere, but it is pretty fantastic me to, to consider that that happened. That, to me, is that's real. Like there's That's an inarguable thing. That definitely, unquestionably happened, and millions of people, me being one of them, have been touched you, by that being. You know what's happening now? Because... When the Prime Minister of India, Modi, came two months ago to America, he hung out with Zuckerberg, right? Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook. Yeah. And Zuckerberg said, you know, I went to India and I went to this ashram in the foothills of the Himalayas because Steve Jobs, before he died, I was going through a rough patch. He told me to go to this particular ashram and I did and I spent a few days there and it, it completely healed me or something. So he's, thank you for India. It's great. It got through the wires. I was in that ashram when that happened. This is two months ago in India. And the press came and they interviewed. They were interviewing me and the, the manager and like all of these people. And it got articles started appearing in these shows. In fact, there's one on YouTube that we actually uh, we had translated so you could see it. It was really incredible. But what's happening now? It's winter in that ashram, which is closed. It's only got skeleton peop- skeletal crew. People from all over India are thronging at that ashram as we speak. We just got word the other day. Mm. Of a throng? Uh, ju- yeah, of a throng. Throng alert. Yeah, no, but it, I mean, it re- it's really insane. Wrong song. Just what, that, didn't, that wasn't happening in India. Okay, this, I mean, there was a, obviously a following, but not like this has blown up as a result of coming back from America through Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs. It's really yeah. insane. And that was the Neem so. Karoli Baba ashram that you was at? The one. The one that we were at. Oh, wild. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. So, yeah. So, to me, you know, that, whatever that is, that's real. You know? And, and you know, all the other stuff. Because, you know, here's the thing, man. I was thinking about this. If you wanted a magical power and you get to choose between, like, walking through walls, making apples appear out of your hand... 
levitating. I'm not saying flying, just basic levitation. Or being able to completely love every single person and thing that you come in contact with, with your whole heart, no longer being in this constant, never-ending war of judgment and dualism. What are you going to pick? You might pick that. Going with the apple. Yeah. I love apples. You like apples? <laughs> I love apples. I don't like apples. I love apples. I'm picking. You know what I mean, though, right? No, I'm jo- of course, I'm kidding. Here's my follow-up for Ragu. I, of course, Duncan, every time you talk, I, I get the chills, and I love you so dearly. I love you, too. So please, please, please keep talking. I'm going to direct this one to Ragu, though. Why? <laughs> Why a Maharaji? Why love? Why infect you guys? What? And then what? That's my big thing I keep thinking about. And then what? Too much thinking. <laughs> why? Who? Why is the universe? How did it start? Blah, and what blah. are we doing here? And what are we doing here? I think it's obvious what we're doing here is really uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama. My only religion is kindness. And so just start there. I mean, there's so much strife going on. Right? Yeah. So why we're here is to be able to change our hearts and as Ramdas said in this retreat and change our hearts so each it's just heart to heart to heart that we can do something maybe to affect this world that we're in so I think that's ultimately why we're here and where it goes or anything like that um, this is way beyond your pay grade yeah anybody's pay grade <laughs> never mind I- this morning, I love that answer, but not, not for what that's but, worth. You, know, you seem a, like a secure person, but for what it's worth, I really like you know, that. You do. <laughs> yeah, what you can you like that. No, I can say that this book, Love Everyone, which is all of our accounts of going to India uh, after meeting Ramdas and meeting this being and having all of the same skeptical uh, you know, stuff going on inside us, not to mention all of the crazy neurosis that we were in no different than well you're a little different Duncan wow. <laughs> I, um, but most people uh, and so you get to see how that got transformed by his just very being and hanging out that's really a powerful thing and so people are definitely going to uh, definitely will be people who will connect with whatever that thing there Ted Nugent is, and it'll have some effect. And what's because you're saying what what can happen down the line? So down the line, maybe somebody's going to be kinder to somebody else. Somebody's going to look inside themselves and go, "I am not just my mind and ego and living in separation and pain and polarization. I am not just that." And they, okay, what? I, who am I? And they're going to do that and find a way to find that out. And to find a way to be kinder. That's what, that is what it's all about. Mm. There's nothing. And that's a big, boy, that, that's, a, big that's a lot of work, right? I mean, it's, it's real intention. It's real s- seriously, I want to change myself. I don't want to be an asshole. Mm-hmm. So you got, there's real intention there and, and having to do stuff that's not always pleasant, dealing with your own self. So... Huh? Well, that's, that's, so yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm just saying, and ultimately, this is a good example here. It's five days where you're just as you were saying, Duncan, relating with people who are here of one mind, right? To further opening up and not being stuck in their minds and in pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. And so you have that many people doing it at one time. 
you get the idea that wouldn't this be great if this could continue and I could continue to do and you start to do that and spread it I'm sure you have when you walk your dog now you've been pretty kind to the people who going by. no <laughs> no no I've, I've I, no I know what you mean I yes I it's it's for me you know these are these are advanced people and the, it's funny with Raghu because he'll never admit it and he'll always roll his eyes and they'll act like it's no big deal but you have to understand you're hanging out with someone who's been practicing a very specific I would consider especially compared to most people I know and myself definitely a very disciplined form of sp- uh, spiritual practice for what 30 years 40 years for um, okay yeah. four yeah. decades so it's a it's a very interesting type of human being like how often do you run into anyone who yeah. has any kind of practice We're proud for, we've been doing stand up for 15 years right <laughs> yeah there you go there you go but <laughs> and, go. and i think that is fascinating and and, and an amazing yeah, we're thing. very proud of that it's a very cool it's, but for me it's it's more like if i can pull off just not yelling and traffic when I'm about to yell. <laughs> you know, it's the little things like that yeah. for me. Not the big lofty bullshit, yeah. but just if I can like make it when I'm on the phone with a Bank of America bastard who's frozen my card <laughs> because I went to Australia and not yell at them. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I'm thinking to myself, okay, 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 this is the one. This is the one. Yeah. I'm not going to react. To me, that's a victory. Okay, yeah, you're, now you're, you've, all through this podcast, you've been killing me, you know? And now you've done it because those are two things that I continue to have a hard time with. (laughs) (laughs) Mine is Uber drivers that call when you've put in the address. Don't call. I never get mad, but that's when I have to be like, just relax. It's okay. A man is here to drive you for very little money. Everybody relax. Well, Ragu, you have to go. Duncan, I want you to stay and talk to me about the ego just briefly. Do you mind? Not at all. Because you – I had this talk about suffering – I had a little suffering this morning, and then uh, Duncan and Zach Leary and our new friend Samantha all kind of like rescued me. It was crazy. That's what happens. I left yoga going, fuck this shit. Uh, not, not, not towards the instructor or anything, but I was I just hope like, so. It's I my can't. wife. <laughs> no, I forgot <laughs> that's your wife. But I was like, I can't do it. It had nothing to do with her. I'm right. not just saying that because it's your wife. Yeah. I left before it even started. I was like, I can't do this. I'm going, and I sat on the beach. Next thing I know, Zach is just walking by. He comes and sits with me. Next thing I know, Duncan's there, and Sam's there. And uh, I want to tell that story because it happened after the KD podcast. I started feeling very existential. Now I feel fantastic. This went great. Thank you for doing it. But I want him to tell that story. Are, are you sure you don't want me to I want you there. therapy? <laughs> <laughs> Let's well, talk about this. <laughs> I mean, Indeed. I'll take your expertise anytime. Yeah. But I also respect your time. So why don't you okay. say I'm, keep it crispy. That's what the guest says at the end of that. Keep oh. it crispy? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like it crispy. I'll take it as a question. <laughs> Uh, keep it Krishna might be better for, for this group. But uh, thank you so much, Raghu. Thank you. I'm going to give you a hug. And it's happening. Thank you so much. We'll talk again. Oh, the, and and don't other. forget to tell people to get, pick the up book? the book, Love it's Everyone. Love Everyone? Love is Everyone. Is it available now on Amazon? It is available on Amazon. Parvati Marcus is the author. But Amazon's that company where it's really easy to just like click one thing and then it comes and then you get this amazing book, right? Amazon is great. I feel yeah. like they should do that with love, everyone. Yeah. Oh, and and a little bit of a promo for Mind Mind, for Mind Pod Network, Mind where Pod Network. you can find me doing mind rolling and Ramdas here I was now. On, I was on your podcast, and you were on it. Yeah, place to yeah. start. So there you go. Thanks, if I Doug. may say so, myself. Uh, you don't mind letting yourselves out. We're going to tell the story. Nice to meet you, Noah. Take care. Bye bye. See you, Noah. We'll see you guys later. We'll see. You.
We'll see you at Kirtan, and if I'm not transcending, I'm going to give you a dirty look. <laughs> What's that? I'll give you your money back. <laughs> All right, so um, I might play this one before the KD one, so it'll be a little out of order, just because I, I'm always looking for that way to kind of introduce people to this sure. without just having them turn it off, because that was more of a... We never pause too much to tell people what it is right. we're actually doing. This one was a little bit better, I think, probably because you were here. Uh, so thank you. Cool. So anyway, after that podcast, which maybe we'll release after this, I was feeling really dark, and uh, I couldn't figure out why, but I, had, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that I expected it, even though it went great, I expected it to get me high as you right. put it. I thought I was going to leave and feel validated, yeah. feel smart, feel connected, feel yeah. included, all these things that I was looking for feeling. Yeah. And I didn't get that, so then I go into this dark place, and this is stuff that I, I was talking with Zach about it, this morning, it's hard for me to admit, but I'm going to speak freely and it's going to be uh, negative, like quote unquote negative about me, but I'm going to just speak it freely because I think people have this sort of stuff in them. I have this like sort of, I, I, there's an insolence, like there's a part of me that wants things badly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm sure. saying? And I get a glimpse of it every once in a while. And when I don't get what I want, that's to use these Buddhist terms, that's where the suffering comes. I wanted like we've been joking this whole time, I want Ram Dass to come up to me and be like, you're my favorite. Yeah. I love you. Yeah. There's something about you. I'll say it to you. There's something about you, Duncan. You're, you're healing me. You're making me feel fantastic. Uh, and then he touches you and you have a vision and the best. all this sort of stuff. And then we, we joke with each other. We text each other. What a war- you said at yoga the other day, you were like, what award do you think you're going to win? Yeah. And, and it's just so funny. Like if he put a pen on you or something. It's, but we're giving voice through humor. One of my favorite things about joking is that we're giving a voice to this thing that everybody I've talked to about this knows exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. You're chanting kirtan, you want Krishna Das to stop everything and go, sorry, but if everybody could just look at this person. He is the chosen he's one. He's the chosen one, he's killing it. So that threw me into a funk. I didn't get that feeling. I had a great conversation with two men who I respect very deeply and learned a lot, but I didn't get that feeling where I'm like, they saw me, they think I'm the best, right. they really love me. Yeah. You know, I just kind of conducted an interview. Yeah. And there was, I, again, I'm going to say this one last time. It was great, but for reasons I couldn't understand, it depressed me. Next day, I, I, I'm talking to Zach about this competition, like there will be blood. I have this competition. I want everything. I want yeah. it. I'm greedy. I, I've seen it. Um, when I've been rejected by people that I like, like girls I like, I see this insolent baby inside of me. So I started calling it my ego. I was like, my ego is, is so gross. It's so gross to me. It wants everything. It wants love now. It wants respect now. It wants power now. It wants inclusion. It wants, uh, we were talking about the lanyard. I was like, I'm a no lanyard guy. I go to a comedy fest. I don't wear the lanyard because it's like, it's yes. this, it's this co- I know you mean. cocky I know you mean. move. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's like, you should know. I don't need to wear a lanyard. I'm on the poster. I don't yeah. wear a lanyard. Sure. So I'm here in a world where I'm now wearing lanyards. This yes. is a thing that's gross. I'm wearing lanyards with the guys who don't wear lanyards. And the little part of me, the small baby in me, doesn't like it. Yeah. It goes like, fuck, I'm a, not, I'm a no lanyard person. Yes. And it makes me angry. It's the same thing when I read about other people's mystical experiences. There's a type of spiritual jealousy. Yeah. I feel left out. And then the reason why I want to say, call, talk about ego, I see it flare up 
and I am Daniel Plainview, and I go, motherfucker, you will pay attention to me. Sure. And that's why I chase fame and all the, oh, whatever yeah. it is I'm chasing. It's because I'm like, God damn it, respect me and know that I'm a non lanyard yeah. person. So I tell you this, basically. Yeah. And you motherfucking killed it. And I've been in the best mood ever. And this podcast, if nothing else, is me taking the best things that I find and then recording them so they can have it too and we can have it together. So please talk about anything I just said, but definitely talk about the bodyguard ego thing. Yeah. What I told you was uh, – because I – you know, when I came – when I started coming to these things, similar – a different experience, but you you sort of come into – it activates – this very specific part of yourself that uh, but you it forces you to see a part of yourself. So you're seeing this thing. Right. Well, that's what Zach said. He was like, this means the retreat is working because yeah. you're kicking up negative, yeah, uncomfortable. You're, you're seeing the thing. I'm, it's like an acid. I, again, I have not, it's like a mushroom trip. I'm seeing the, the toddler in me. Yeah, you're seeing the thing. The thing, the splinter, the... Uh, God, what's that? I can't remember the author. The Fisher King wound. This kind of like... Uh, this wound, you're seeing the wound, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's the speck, as you say, it's the speck on the projector. The speck on the projector, that's yeah. That's you. That's it. And you're seeing it, and it's <laughs> yeah. uncomfortable. And, 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 it's, and, and, and when you start seeing it at first, you know, a lot of people go for their phones, they go for some distraction mechanism, but it's cool that you're addressing it, you're openly, freely talking about it, super cool. So you were talking about this, you were saying how, you were using some very like you, you're calling it like I can't remember the exact word you used for it, but you were being quite insulting to yourself. I was saying vile, vile. Yeah, yeah. You're using Lord of the Rings like, <laughs> stuff that you usually say about an orc. You're using words you refer to, but Go- it's a strong presence. You're using words you refer to Gollum as, yeah, right? Exactly. And the Lord of the Rings spoiler: if you guys haven't seen it or haven't read the books, Lord of the Rings, Dungan, serendipity, man. Ask Valerie when she comes out of the bedroom. I've been talking about the Ring of Power. It's been my go-to analogy lately. <laughs> That's what I'm. I don't wear a lanyard. Is the ring of power. So what would have happened if they'd killed Gollum? If they killed him? Yeah. What do you mean? In the and when they're at well, they do kill. Him. I <laughs> know, but himself. if they killed him before the the end of the book, what would have happened? Oh, they wouldn't have gotten there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They, <laughs> you salty dog. Yeah, they wouldn't have gotten there. They needed him. They needed him. Yeah. They needed this thing, and of course, Gollum represents exactly what you're talking about. Ego. My precious. I need it. I want it. I gotta have it. The thing. It's ah, me. You're blowing my dick off. Right. That's it. You're blowing so, it. And 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 so here's this being, and and, and <laughs> sorry, that sounded wrong. So I, I doubled down. Go on. Here's a being. That is what you would refer to as vile. And a lot of people do. Pathetic, disgusting. Look what it did. It, started, it like wanted this thing. It killed for it. It represents original sin. The, or it represents Cain and Abel, you could say. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So this foul. It is very Cain and Abel when he finds very, it and he kills the guy. Very yeah. Cain and Abel. And, and, you know, uh, Tolkien was pals with C.S. Lewis, you know. And, and I'm sure they had these conversations and he wanted to embody that. Mm. He wanted to embody the, the, the pathetic aspect of of needing power and wanting power and how embarrassing it is and shameless it is and and of course Gollum is inside every single person and of course Gollum is a thing that ultimately is meant to be uh there's it needs compassion you know and so here you are referring to the Gollum of yourself that this aspect of yourself that wants just what you described if you go back and play it you've just described Gollum yeah it wants power respect, love. I think these are all things that Gollum 
in these in the books really really want it. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting it because really these are all things that you need to survive in the and, world. But that's the there will be blood of it because I'm telling you, I really felt that that energy of, and I just mean intensity of. I have a competition in me. I want no one else to succeed. I was telling Zach, I was like, I am a generous, compa- I'm telling you this yeah. to protect myself. It's true though. I'm generous. I'm kind. I like to help people. Sure. I like other people to succeed, but I got a glimpse of the part of me that doesn't. Sure. The part that says, motherfucker, get out of my way. We're going to get out of this. We're, you're the, you're want to trample over people on the fire escape to get right. out of the building. Right. So exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 but the thing I said to you is something I realized because I have a different kind of thing. For me, it's just more of like a very reclusive, uh, numb, doesn't want to be around people, compl- wants to, you know, just a, 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 a very thick shell around the part of myself that's capable of experiencing love. And I've had it for my whole life. And, uh, and, and I've dealt with it, gone, I've had depressions from it. And, and these retreats, you know, right away they help feel that thing that's sort of blocking your ability to be giving and kind and compassionate and loving. And my reaction to that thing has been, up until coming into contact with these people, very similar to yours, which is this fucking awful thing inside of me is keeping me from loving. It's keeping me from feeling. It's keeping me from dancing. It's keeping me from opening up. It's keeping keeping me from experiencing life to to its fullest. Mm-hmm. It's the numbing thing. I used to call it the black garnet because in my <laughs> mind it's like this black volcanic rock jammed into my heart, right? So I began to realize that that thing is actually trying to protect me. And when I was young and going through uh, a tumultuous, relatively tumultuous childhood. The thing is trying to protect me. Yeah. But you just said such a huge thing and I'm listening to the whole thing. But that little point. Trying to protect me. And then, and then so, and I started thinking about this thing as not being a... The golem. Uh, yeah, I started thinking about it. I, I started imbuing it with a personality because that's a fun thing to do. It's something Cornfield talks about. It's what I've been thing. doing since you told me this thing so sorry but i'm going to put your own words back in your mouth you were like you're a kid yeah and there are giants yeah remember yeah when you're a kid every uh, adults are are giants and some of the giants do not have they're not great they're not kind they're not kind they're scary some of them are actually quite violent yeah and 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 some of them are alcoholic and some of them will hurt you and they scream and it sounds like the world is gonna maybe they scream at your mom maybe they scream at your the 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 woman who has been feeding you through her boobs yeah you know what i mean so it's like i do this is a very intense thing for a kid it's a clash of the titans crazy so this thing emerges out of comes out of the universe and it comes to protect you and this is your ego it's an errant bodyguard it's a thing that was there because no one was protecting you and it was trying to keep you safe and the moment that you get old enough to realize that you no longer need that defense mechanism Sorry, i'm gonna say one more thing yeah. you said picture a, a giant bodyguard giant bodyguard a child yeah yeah so it picks you up Pick, picture like an ogre it makes you smart it makes you sharp it it helps protect you picture a shrek like thing it's yeah. just doing its best man it's snarling at the danger and it's trying to keep you but safe it carries and you it, to junior high and then to high school and it, it takes you to college it loves and it's, you it gets you laid it, it gets, gets you, you laid. food it yeah. gets you a job 
job. Yeah. It's your personality. And what happens when you get when you start waking up is it, a lot of people And this is what I was doing. Are like you vile beast. <laughs> Leave me, get monster. Get out of here. Monster. You, you said specifically you said and you expect it to just sulk off. Yeah, you want it to skulk away. Skulk. And and you know it does. It will skulk away, but 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 there's a the it it will it, it it will i think you can diminish it through the kind of uh self uh you you can you can banish it but there's another thing you can do and everyone's got one of these things you know and every, and you can name it so i what did i do so when i was doing this thought experiment thing in, embodying the thing giving it imbuing it with a personality i started calling it oyster and i pictured it as this like oh, you know like i described a bodyguard holding a kid yeah. And then it sounds so cheesy. I've weird. been picturing Harry and the Hendersons. For there me. you go. Yeah. And then I imagined giving the thing a medal. I imagined like having a whole ceremony. Giving it what it wants. You're a hero. Yeah. You saved me so many times. You kept me so safe. Nobody ever thanked you. No one's given you any of the appreciation you deserve. When I was completely helpless, you were there to keep me from getting hurt. And thank you for your service. I might need you again. I don't need you this second, but I might need you again sometime. And I love you. It's a thought experiment. You imagine it. And my God, it mm. it glows. And when I picture it, and I've been doing this all day, and I've been telling – I had this – Realization, epiphany is too strong. I had a realization where I go, when isn't the solution love? Right. And you're like, love your ego. There you go. And you said, I'm sorry, this sounds like I'm just buttering my own bread on the air, but you were like, Pete, I love your ego. I do. And you go, I hope it never stops tormenting you. Yeah, I did say that. Because it delights people to watch your struggle with it, the stories you tell, the bits you do. And I was just like, holy shit. I felt, I apologized there you go and it wasn't that i want him the harry and the henderson's creature to always be interrupting kirtan or meditation or whatever i'm doing i don't need him to show up when i'm sitting on the beach and just trying to appreciate whatever the fuck but i do need him a lot of the time and, and he he's helped me unfold my life that's right man and you become ramdas and you become ramdas and you give that part of yourself, the acknowledgement that you're seeking from the world. That's right. You become Ramdas. You. That's what happened, though, and it felt amazing. It sounds like so, like a delusion, but it wasn't. As soon as I started saying to myself, and this is just good self love, I think some people might think it's crazy, just being like, Pete, you are great. I do like the yeah. way you give yourself to Kirtan. I do like the way that you get up at five thirty to meditate. It's cool. This, you know that good for you. And I forgot. And I was like, this is Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment too. It's like, it's like you have to fake it. It's like you have to say, even I love my pettiness. I love how I can be impatient. I love that. But here's what like, happens. Here's the next step, man. What happens when you start doing this thing? It's really cool. As our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said, Jesus. a house desi- uh, a house divided upon itself cannot stand. You know, and, and if you have a fractured self with aspects that you are, are at war with, how are you going to really do anything in the world with any great success? But one of the things that, or any true success, but one of the things you'll find that starts happening when you start. Is that ex- Abraham Lincoln? I don't know. I don't think it was Jesus. I think Jesus said it. Jesus talks about a house on the sand and the rock. He talks about a lot of shit, but I do think he, I do think he said that. Could be wrong. Whatever. You could say Jesus said anything. It's I awesome. I think that was Abraham Lincoln. Well, Abraham Lincoln was quoting Jesus. Yeah. 
He didn't know it, but, but he but, was. But, but the, well, oh, I'm sorry. That here's was, what's interesting that starts happening, man, is you'll notice that all the threats that you were seeing in your environment, whatever the thing was that you were worrying over, you'll all of a sudden notice a, a diminishment in the number of people you come in contact with that seem threatening. All of a sudden, the because you've transformed that little bit of dust in the projector, you won't see it on the screen as much everywhere. Mm. You'll notice that suddenly all the stuff that was jumping out at you is being dangerous or that was there to like, that was setting off whatever the alarm system was that was set up by this being, it stops. Mm. And it doesn't stop completely. It'll come back. And the neurosis never goes away completely. It's always there. But you'll just find that the, your actual subjective universe, the, the symbolic landscape begins to shift the more that you start, as Jack Cornfield says, bowing to these visitors who have come to your the house of yourself and offering them some tea mm. and being kind Instead to them. Instead of being like, shoo! Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. Like Harry and the Hendersons. The, that's so brilliant. I'm so glad we have it on tape. <laughs> Such a stupid thing to say, but it's true. And the other crazy thing, when I picture Harry and the Hendersons monster, and I think that's my ego, that's my oyster or whatever, I go, well, who am I? And I'm like, oh, I'm just the air around it. You know what I mean? It helps me go like, yeah. who is telling him good job? That's right. It helps me separate. That's where it starts getting really interesting. But that's where it gets helpful as as you're saying jack cornfield says to give it a shape and an a- it's like an imaginary friend all over again except this one's really real <laughs> yeah it's real man it's yeah. real and 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 it's it's a it's a really fun experiment i hope you guys will try it out there you know i mean i all this stuff is just fun experiments you can do it's right. just something you can try out if you you might not be tortured by some aspect of yourself and that's amazing you know i think that's a some people are doing fine and you don't need to I understand that. You know what I mean? But I actually I say that to Valerie all the time. I'm like, I do all this work to be more like how she is. And, yeah. And that sounds phony baloney and I'm just blowing smoke, but I it's not. I, I see a beauty there that I'm trying to get to. Yeah. And and, it's, and it's because I'm, now I'll compliment us. We're we're artist type people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's there's also an appreciation I have for my demons and my neuroses or whatever it is. Well they're allies, you know. It's like that the concept is What's the best way to win a war? The best way to win a war is to become allies with the person that you're right, fighting. Right. You, that's the ultimate victory. But that's the when is the answer not love. And that's what you opened my eyes to. And that's why when I saw you this morning, I said, can I give you a hug? And it was a, a great hug. And it, I really wanted to. It wasn't about people seeing me hug you. It was about I wanted to hug you. Because it, it, was, it was a gorgeous thing to go to remember. It's never the answer to go... You stupid shit. Look Never. at how greedy you are. But I'm I'm half kidding. I'm the self-love guy. I do it in my stand-up. I talk about loving yourself. I'm always telling people my go-to story is, you know, I'm a vegan, I'm flexible, but like for the I'm 90% of the time vegan. Ate all these pizzas and cheeseburgers with TJ and then I felt so much guilt and then it went away immediately when I made an ally even with that voice yeah it was like you fat fucking contradictory hypocrite and i was like i love you peter i i love this i see what you're doing and i love you and it went away as soon but if i pushed back and was like i'm not a hypocrite it's really hard yeah. and i was stoned and i wanted a cheeseburger and it should be okay i just went like no nah, man i'm not even we're not going to engage i'm just it's just love it's just saying yes 
Yeah, and then you you know there's a you can take this experiment further. It's really interesting. It really is. The next time you're around somebody who you don't know briefly, this is another thing I, I learned from Jack Cornfield. He talked about how in these Buddhist temples you have to bow to people who've been in the temple longer than you. And uh that means if they were a they're a day before you and they were you know in their twenties or they were sixteen, whoever it was, you had to bow to them because they were your seniors. And this is an exercise in learning humility. Mm. And he said he was having problems with it because you know, some of these people, it's like, you, you're not even here because you want to be a monk or learn about Buddhism. You're here because your dad sent you here. You want to like, you want the food. You're looking yeah. for its political reasons. Yeah. And I don't feel like I should have to bow to you. So uh, he said, I, he began to learn how to pick out aspects of them that he could bow to, that he could love, like mm. a wrinkle in their uh, a, a wrinkle under their eyes thinking what suffering caused those wrinkles what have you been through mm. that has made you have have this sad expression in your face i bow to that right mm. so the, not your horse shit <laughs> yeah exactly but the, the thing that it's like guaranteed man if you're running into somebody who's being a dick they have come from suffering. They've come from suffering and they've got their own oyster that they're dealing with and you're just meeting their bodyguard. You're not even meeting them. You're just meeting the guy at the... You're uh, meeting their body. Yeah, and if you start being kind and to them... <laughs> it's interesting though. That's funny. If you start... So the experiment is find that place of empathy and compassion because now you understand your bodyguard. You can understand other people's bodyguards. And then, without saying it, God knows don't say it. And don't act like it's you're doing it. Don't put on a show. But start loving it. Just like the way you're loving that thing inside yourself. And I'm telling you, man, you don't have to say a damn thing. You'll watch them soften right away. They can sense it. Mm. They will shift in the same way that thing inside of you shifts when you start doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's a wild thing to see. It's a wild thing to see Mm -hmm. someone who is calloused not literally but you know mm-hmm. angry and frozen and and yep. all of a sudden they don't even know why they're doing it but they start lo- softening up around you because you found a thing inside of them to love and that transcends all language and you can't fake it it's wild to watch the way mm-hmm. it works ramdas talks about the i think about this with my parents for example who i'm always trying I, I should stop, but I do often catch myself trying to sway them in my direction. You know what I mean? Sure. I know that's silly to say. I, I spend all that time as an evangelical just to become a different kind of one. <laughs> but right. That, but I, I don't want to do that. I, I, I don't want to do that. But Ramdas talks about – I'm listening to it on the way to Thanksgiving. It's just on YouTube, by the way. If anybody wants to spend no money and listen to some great Ramdas, there's yeah, like a bunch of them tons. on YouTube. They're like two-hour lectures. Don't be intimidated. Just listen to whatever you want. So anyway – uh, so there I go, evangelizing. Okay. Evangelizing. So anyway, he's talking about the way that you feel. If someone wants to change you, you can feel them right. pushing against you, mm-hmm. and without you even really giving consent, consciously, you start pushing back. That's right. And you can. And I, I'm telling you, when I said that, and then I went and had dinner with my parents, I was like, I. My mom was talking about my talk show and how she's like. You know, glad it's not on because I swear. So I can feel wow. her being like, "You." And she loves me really well, but she doesn't like that I swear or talk about sex, all this sort of stuff. So I can feel her pushing, be more wholesome, and then I'm like, be more yeah, sure. appreciative 
I'm your son and I'm a cool cat. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. So we're both trying to change each other and it fucking sucks. sucks. Instead of just going like, oh, I get, I, I, you know, my parents is a master class. I don't know how to quite tackle it, but looking at my mom and going like, oh, there's her body, there's her personality coming at me when her essence, I absolutely believe, has no problem with anything. <laughs> yeah, and also when you, the thing that the things that what what ends up happening that you realize with moms is all that stuff that's so supremely annoying right now. Uh, you realize that the intention behind it really is love, and and they don't mm. that that's and it's a love that you probably can't grasp because you don't. It's have like a, shaving with a radio. Yeah, he just <laughs> like they're like I want to use this love, but it comes out as like. Stop swearing. Yeah, they don't know. They can't. They're just like so desperately, desperately wanting you to be okay. And, and, and that's all they want. That's yeah. really it. They want to protect you. They want to keep you safe. They're, they're, they really want you to be okay, man. And when you start, that's a thing that you can find in your mom to love, which mm. is like, okay, I get That's it. the wrinkle. Yeah. I love that you are wanting to keep me safe in this way. And it's a beautiful thing. And, mm. You, I got to tell you, man. I'm sorry because this is such a sounds so fucking like dark and like I'm 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 creating. When your mom dies, all that stuff that's annoying, you don't. Re- it doesn't seem annoying anymore. It mm. seems incredible, and it's just something you long for. So I know it sounds nuts, but lap that stuff up, man, because it's it's like it's so. You can't imagine how incredible it is to have something in the universe that cares about you so much that it doesn't want you to curse. That's nuts. <laughs> oh, that's a that's sweet, man. That's sweet, and you don't get it for your whole life. Uh, <laughs> it only feels that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. Right. Just shitting on my mom for fun. Uh, well, that's great, man. I mean, we we got to do like I said. I'm going to put this out on the podcast. We great. need to do uh, like a, a a once a week thing for six weeks Let's where we just meet and we talk about what we were studying that week. And I'd love to. I want to do it too, and we'll we'll put it out independent. Beautiful, Pete. But man, I deeply love you. I, I always say too, that. Man. I really love. I think it's so cool you're here. <laughs> I think it's so cool you're. I was here. just. These, I'm here because of you. These are these things where I like when I think about life. And I think about how lucky I am that I get to do this stuff as a job. And when I was, uh, we're like in the water the other day, floating in the ocean. And I'm like, I'm in Hawaii floating in the ocean with Pete at a Ram Dass retreat. (laughs) And these are the things where I think, oh, the simulator is breaking down. <laughs> These are the dreams you have when the simulator is melting down, when the chips, when, the, when things it, are getting fried, when things are yeah. smoking down in the motherboard. This is the kind of experiences you have, and yeah. and that and that's the love I feel for you. Is it makes me realize that this is so wonderful that it makes me think I must be in a dream. So thank you. Pete. I've been looking at my hands a lot, which is what I do when I think I'm dreaming. It's not a dream. It's yeah. not at least. It's a. It's not the dream we think it is. Yeah. Um, well, I love you, and thank you for that, and thank you for rescuing me today. It, it means a lot, and it's Anytime, been a man. big part of the work I've been doing here. And thank you for doing this. You got it. I love you. Say, Pete. keep it crispy. I love you. Keep too. it crispy, <laughs> man.
Now leaving Nerdist.com. 